In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Eric, and all of the baptized saints of God, what a marvelous day for confirmation, Trinity Sunday. The last of all of the major feasts of the church year, the day upon which we celebrate God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and that everything that they do, the Father, Son, and Spirit, is for us. That the Almighty Trinity is busy caring for us, protecting us, and even saving us. How wonderful! For instead of planning and working our destruction. The blessed and holy Trinity is planning and working our salvation. This is summarized beautifully in this marvelous verse that should be written in gold across our hearts from the Gospel of John. You all know it, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting, eternal life. This verse really has it all. The love of the Father, His sending to death His Son, our dear Lord Jesus, and the purpose of this death, namely our eternal life, and the way that this life comes to us, that is through faith, whoever believes and is baptized, or excuse me, whoever believes in Him should not perish. But I would like this morning, just for a few minutes, to put this text back into its context. For we know it so well, but I would like for us to consider the words, especially the words before the text. And I hope that this consideration will bring to us new eyes and we can see the text with a new joy. For these words, these marvelous words of gospel, John 3.16 are really the culmination of a conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus. It's like, these words are like the moment that an airplane lifts off of the ground. It's a marvelous moment, that first moment when you're flying, but there are so many things that have to happen first. The airplane has to be fueled up, inspected, loaded with people, cleared for takeoff, and raced down the runway to reach the proper speed. And that's really what the first 15 verses of John chapter 3 are. It's the fueling and the inspection and the clearance and the race down the runway for verse 16. So here's the story. There was a man named Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee, a teacher of the Jews, of high rank among the people. Nicodemus would have been well-educated, well-off, and well-respected. This accounts for the reason that he came to Jesus at night, for he was curious about Jesus and about his teaching, but Nicodemus didn't want to be seen sitting and talking with this man Jesus. To be sure, Nicodemus was not yet a believer in Jesus. By the end of the gospel, we find that that had changed. But Nicodemus comes to Jesus under the cover of darkness so that no one will see him, so that this conversation will not hurt his reputation. And Nicodemus begins in typical Pharisee fashion with an attempt at flattery, but Jesus won't have it. In fact, Jesus, in typical Jesus fashion, cuts to the chase. This man, Nicodemus, came by night. This is verses 2 and 3. 
and said to him, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher, come from God, for no one can do these signs you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answers him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, Nicodemus, you think you have insight, but you don't, for you cannot see nor understand the kingdom of God and my teaching and my works unless you are first born again. Jesus, with this response... Let's Nicodemus know what the conversation will be about. Being born again. Being born from above. Being born of the Spirit. So Nicodemus asks, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answers, Teaching this teacher, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus is teaching in these words both the necessity and the means of this new birth, of being born again. So first, the necessity of the new birth. The new birth is necessary because our first birth, our physical birth, the day that we celebrate every year or mourn every year as our birthday, that is a birth to sin, a birth to death, a birth to the devil. That which is born of flesh is flesh, says Jesus. This is the doctrine of original sin, that we are born as God's enemies, as the rightful recipients of God's wrath and of hell. Now, I would like to pause for a moment and underline this fact. For when we talk of the salvation that Jesus brings, we should know exactly what Jesus is saving us from. I've been reading this week a a book which includes a survey, a number of surveys, about the preaching that happens in the churches these days. And it seems that there is a big lack of preaching about sin and especially about the doctrine of hell. That preaching about hell is almost always omitted. And this is a frightful omission. Because if there's no sin and there's no hell then Jesus is saving us from what? From problems at home? From low self-esteem? From financial troubles? From what? The Bible is absolutely clear about this. And, And I want the preaching from this pulpit to be absolutely clear as well. Each one of us is born as an object of God's wrath and rightful citizens of hell, the place of eternal and unending torment and suffering. This is what Jesus saves us from. And this is why the new birth is necessary. When Jesus says, you must be born again, this understanding of hell and of God's wrath underlines that word, must. You must be born again. And if you are not, then you remain in your sins and in the condemnation that you deserve. 
But there's good news because Jesus goes on to teach how a person is born again, what the means of the new birth are. Truly, truly, says Jesus, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. But if you are born of water and the Spirit, then you are born again and rescued and delivered. And we know what this new birth of water and the Spirit is. Baptism. Eric, I still remember your baptism a few years ago in the hospital room. On that day, the Lord Jesus gave you this new birth of water in the Spirit. He put His name on you and the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit and made you a part of His eternal family. He washed you with the blood of Jesus, washed away all of your sins, just as He has washed away all of the sins of all of the baptized in all of the world and made us to stand before Him now in perfect holiness. It's this, this baptism, this washing of water in the Spirit, this washing away of sins, this is our new birth and our hope for life and salvation. So Jesus is teaching Nicodemus of the why and the what of the new birth. And as he's teaching, we're heading down the runway, getting ready, remember, for this verse 16 for takeoff. Jesus teaches how this new birth is possible. And he says, you can be born again, first of all, because I came down from heaven. And second of all, because I will be lifted up as the sacrifice for all sins. Listen to these words of Jesus, verses 11 to 15. Truly, truly, I say to you, We speak of what we know and bear witness of what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. With these words, Jesus connects His own uh, incarnation and crucifixion with baptism. For baptism, the washing of water in the Spirit, would benefit us nothing at all unless Jesus has died on the cross for our sins. And this Jesus will prove by speaking of the story of the bronze serpent. This unfolded when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. During their 40 years of wilderness wandering, they came and complained to Moses that they were dying, to Moses and to God, and God gets angry with them and sends serpents into the camp And they went and bit the people, and the people died. So the people come back to Moses, and instead of complaining to him, they asked that Moses would would pray on their behalf that the Lord would relent. And Moses did, and God gave Moses a command. Fashion for yourself a bronze serpent, and put it on a staff, and lift it up. And whoever looks at the serpent will be saved. So Moses does it. He makes a bronze serpent. He fashions it on a staff. He lifts it up for all to see. And everyone who looked on the serpent, the bronze serpent hanging on the staff, were saved. Even if they had been bit by a snake, they were healed. 
And this, says Jesus to Nicodemus, is exactly how I am. I am like this bronze serpent. I, too, will be lifted up. And here Jesus is speaking of his cross. For there on the cross, <coughs> he is lifted up as the sacrifice for the sins of all the world, the substitute for all mankind. There on the cross, he would taste hell and condemnation, the same hell and condemnation that you and I deserve. There, Jesus on the cross would be bitten by the serpent, by the devil himself, and Jesus would know the wrath of God against sin. There, when he is lifted up on the cross, Jesus will stand in our place, and he will win for us forever forgiveness and life eternal. And just like those who looked at the bronze serpent in the wilderness, just like they would look at the serpent and be healed, so all who look at Jesus, all who trust in him for their salvation, all of these will have eternal life. They will be born again. Born again to a new and living hope. Born again into a new family, into the people of God. Born again with a new inheritance, even life eternal. This, Jesus says to Nicodemus, is what it means to be born again. To be born from above. To be rescued from sin and death and hell and to be given the gift of life eternal. It is to be baptized into the blood of Jesus and to trust in Him. <clears throat> For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. This, dear Eric, and for all of you baptized, this is the gift of salvation and life eternal, the gift of new birth and eternal hope and peace. This is the gift of forgiveness that the Father and Son and Holy Spirit have for you today and forever. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.